Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast, um, sponsored by Betfred. Um, it's post-match after uh, United have managed to stumble away. Stumble the right word? I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah it, it, it wasn't probably the most prettiest of games, but United are in the forefront of the FA Cup. Um, unlike uh, Eric Tanag, we've rested some of our regular stalwarts today, so you're literally just stuck with uh, me, John Ashton, and Stu Edwards. Um, and you can listen to some of our musings about the game and a few other things that are going on in the world of United. It's all um, you, mate. I'm saying fuck all. <laughs> um, well, well, luckily, Stu, you're always very argumentative, so hopefully we should get something out of it. If not, I'll have to play devil's advocate for a bit, if you do agree with me on anything. Um, so, yeah, United, United have managed to get through against a, a dogged but pretty poor Everton team. Um, we've probably made hard work of it ourselves rather than anything Everton did. But, um, Stu, just happy to be through. Yeah, I think so. I think it was always a potential banana skin. You know, it's okay saying Everton have been shit and all the rest of it, and you know they conceded four the other night at home to Brighton, and you know the, the, the fans obviously are calling for the board more than I think Lampard, and I think that was quite clear. It was quite evident tonight. You know, you're never sure in situations like this what the team, you know, are the team playing for the manager as you know as the manager lost the dressing room. Based on that ninety minutes tonight, they are playing for Lampard. This fucker's not going to let me in. <laughs> One second. Are you yeah. going to let me in? Yeah, right. I agree with you. I mean, what are you, what are you pointing at? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just having an argument with somebody. So, so we'll just pad the, pad the, uh, we'll pad the uh, podcast out with some road rage, some road rage today. Um, yeah, so I think they are playing for Lampard. So obviously, you know, they're disappointed in obviously what's gone on in the transfer market, maybe, or what's available. But you know, Everton as a club, they're going in the right direction, I think. Um, you know, they've got a new stadium on the horizon. Um, and on another day, they, they could have, you know, possibly got a, a draw and a replay tonight. You know, we weren't at our best, and I think we more, you know, went down to their level. I think more than they stepped up to like our current level. I think so. Yeah, overall, I think going back to your, your initial question, um, yeah, pleased to go through and, and be in hat for the next round. Yeah, I agree with that because obviously with the way they played um, the other night. It was kind of like the worst thing that could have happened because it was always going to get a little bit of a reaction, wasn't they? You know, and put put the foot in. Um, yeah. Tenag's team tonight um, from my own personal opinion was that we obviously we've played two games a week um, since we've come back big game obviously next Saturday so I thought that you know I thought maybe every player would sort of play start one game between this and the other game uh, maybe seven or eight in the first team play today and three or four um, playing on Tuesday but he went with a pretty strong team didn't he Stu yeah. arguably the best one he had available yeah the only one I was surprised maybe not to see start was Martinez I thought it would have been pretty much the starting eleven barring any injuries etc tonight that would start against City sort of like in eight days time um, but yeah you know, like, like you just said not far off it really Martinez did come on but obviously he's, he's you know he's feeding him back in slowly after his uh, World Cup adventure um, so yeah and obviously Tuesday will be different again it's like you know they're, they're a, a lower league team we should be able to mix it up um, goalkeeper again with what's happened with obviously the new you know the new transfer where does that leave Tom Heaton? So would that would the hair start on Tuesday simply because it's maybe a bit too soon for you know for uh, for Jack to start in there? I don't know. So that's the only one for Tuesday really, which is a bit interesting. Yeah, I mean he, do, he doesn't seem to like resting players that that much really, does he? Um, I mean, in fairness, the, the team looks fitter than it ever does. You know, maybe it is something that's in the mind. We've got some momentum. I think that's 14 wins in the last 17. We've won every game since coming back from the World Cup. Um, no one's actually scored over today no one had scored against us so 
he's building momentum and probably doesn't want that to stop. But do you think it could come back to want us at some point uh, later on in the season? Yeah, you can't outthink him. You know, February, March time. Um, if some players are, are playing pretty much ninety minutes every week, um, it, it could obviously hit us then, which is obviously that's the worst time possible. Maybe when you're in the running for for, for trophies or you know quarterfinals, semi-finals or whatever. Um, but time will tell. Obviously, we've got a bit of a squad. It's you know it's not as strong as it could be. Uh, but obviously, the likes of you know uh, McFred, who obviously will probably play Tuesday. They both you know both come uh, came off the bench tonight. Um, Maguire, you'd expect to play obviously on, on Tuesday. <laughs> what about it? He's probably got a reserve <laughs> left back playing centre half or something. <clears throat> Possibly, yeah. So yeah, time will tell. A lot of football to be played, um, and some you know some players I've played of you know. A lot of football. Um, am I right in saying Bruno's suspended for Tuesday? I think he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. So yeah. that's uh, so that's good in a way. He gets he gets a rest and ready for Saturday, hopefully. Yeah, because I mean, obviously, in typical me fashion, I've cursed Casemiro after saying that you know every game is an eight or nine, and went and put in a five today because he, he did he did look leggy. Some of his passing was a bit off, and, and I think the manager did the right thing, taking him off and giving him a bit of a rest today. Because I mean, he, you know, everyone's human; you can have a, have a bad game from time to time. But he did look like a player who went quite far in a World Cup, you know, and played a lot of minutes, and, and it, it kind of took its toll. So I don't expect him to start on on Tuesday. No, he obviously doesn't like the FA Cup. He'll just be man of match in every Premier League, hopefully, that'll do. Um, but no, again, it, it's, it's standards that he's set recently, obviously, that's why it's more noticeable. I think you're a bit harsh giving him a five. But um, <laughs> but he was possibly at fault for the first goal. I think he was after a free kick, wasn't he, on the edge of a box? Uh, maybe a bit. Yeah, he went down a bit October easily, a bit yeah, too easy. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah, you know, again, it's good that we we're, we're able to have that conversation. That we we've still won three one, and our best player in recent weeks, along with probably Rashford, you know, in December, um, or end of December into January. Um, that's why we're having this conversation because obviously it, it, it shone tonight that he wasn't an eight or a nine. He was only a five or a six, <laughs> <laughs> which which in recent years will probably still make you our best midfielder but yeah. it just shows the standards I've raised a little bit exactly. um, yeah. so onto the game United made a very bright start um, mm. got an early goal you possibly could have scored another couple before Everton scored out of the blue you're going to tell me the last time we scored in the third minute aren't you I've no idea it's a while <laughs> back fucking hell John absolutely no idea it's a great question actually we never seem to start games that quickly though do we was, it, was it Leeds at home in Covid God, honestly I'm going to have to take that one away someone can maybe McTominay twice us and in six he minutes he did score early doors yeah. didn't he yeah but it, it is a, yeah it's a good question that. yeah it was a, a very decent start and you thought you know especially what's happened again with Everton recently that the floodgates would open and it would be like you know cruising 3-0 at half time and it didn't really turn out that way um, again just a bit of a strange game in some respects um, oh, we can't legislate for for the equaliser. Part, you know, just, well, just sloppy moments that just kind of summed it up. Yeah, you know, there's, yeah. There's some loose finishing at the other end when we we perhaps could have done better, and then obviously whatever De Gea was trying to do it, I've absolutely no idea what he was trying to do with it. But um, so obviously they got back into the game. I mean, other than that, we didn't they didn't really threaten, did they? With, no. And then we got the goal. Um, it was always one of them. We looked very comfortable, and I wasn't even you know when you stood there, and you think sometimes someone's going to hit you on the counter attack, and it. And they did a couple of times, but again, it was, you know, nothing major. Um, they've had obviously an offside goal. I took it to two each, disallowed. Um, that decision was very quickly by VAR, so it must have been quite well off by the looks of it. Um, and obviously, we've got the third, which none of us have seen. <laughs> yeah, obviously that, that was a penalty, so um, we'll, we'll leave that to, uh, to the view, to the listeners to uh, make their own mind up on that one on what happened with that one. But obviously, with VAR these days, it, it, I'm, I'm sure it was a penalty. But um, Rashford got the goal. 
scored, yeah. scored in every game <clears throat> since he's come back after the World Cup. Set the other two up. It'll probably be, even for you, Stu, who likes to be Mr. Contrary when it comes to the man and the match award, which you will come <laughs> to at the end. But that's probably the easiest one we'll have all season, isn't it? We'll not have a man of the match, it's FA Cup. <laughs> um, no, he's, he's Person like, of the match, then, sorry. <laughs> person of the match, yeah, exactly. Player of the match. He, he's on fire. He's he's a bit very close to being unplayable, I think, uh, at times. And the only one with any you know any, any purpose and wanting and it, and it didn't always come off he, on at least two or three occasions he, you know he was trying to take on three or four blue shirts and you know you've got to be very special or have a little bit of luck as well to get past three or four players haven't yeah. you um, but he was the only one trying to drive you know drive the team forward and trying to come up with something um, so you don't mind seeing that and where he's doing it you know, if you, if you do lose it, it's, it's in areas of the pitch where you know you shouldn't get hurt from it, and you know he's doing that on the left wing. He's got, trying to go into the box. Um, obviously, he he created a chance, obviously for Cody's own goal. So yeah, he's all and, round. And Dancy's goal as well. He set both of them. Up, of so. course, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Um, I actually missed that cross because I looked at my phone <laughs> trying to text you. Um, but no, I saw him. Put, I saw Anthony. So I put it in at the back post. Um, but yeah, so he's he's had a, he's had another great night. Uh, and again, we, we've said last week on the, you know, on the podcast last week that if he gets injured, well, I was just about to say, should should, <laughs> should we? And I don't want to be the, the merchant of doom when I said we're in such good form. I think there's six or seven wins on a row. Like I said, fourteen wins out of seventeen. Um, are we just a little bit over reliant on him when it comes to goals? Because again, I don't want to get on anyone's case. And every sentence he's got a goal and, and took it well. But one of the things that makes Rashford so great is the fact that he's so unpredictable. He can come inside. He can go out wide. Anthony. It's literally like he's wearing. Do you ever, you know, like when you get them things for your kid and you get like the, the ball's tied to your shoe, <laughs> and it's not. It's the, but the lace isn't long enough to reach his other foot because, I mean, he's one-footed and he's almost taking a piss. He must have like five ingrowing toenails or something on his right foot. No, it's ridiculous. It's it's too ridiculous. It's it's, it's that you know we talk about it um, and we've talked about it before. There's not much more we can say apart from he is you know completely 101% left-footed. Some, something's got to change there you know he, he's never going to play on the left wing because of Rashford being there and then obviously and now Ganacho. so you know if he play, if he continues to play on the right then he's either got, got to be really confident cutting in with his left and making stuff happen or starting to use his right foot you know I'm not saying you know hit shots from 30 yards it's clearly you know not. No, but he, honestly he looks like a, he looks like my missus does when she kicks a ball when he uses his right foot <laughs> In stilettos. <laughs> I'll take your word for it, mate. <laughs> but no, it's frustrating. And, and again, we're just repeating ourselves, really. But you know, 80 million wasn't his fault. He, he was a 40, 50 million pound player. But let's hope that you know things can change and he can be worked on uh, in, in the coming months and you know in, into next season in regards to doing something at least with his right foot. You know, you never play. You know, we never played gigs, did we? On, on the right wing, we never played Beckham, no, I mean, I mean, Beckham foot, on the left yeah, wing. Yeah, I mean, football has changed, doesn't it? Now, in the fact that they don't really play wingers, you play with these sort of inside forwards, where cutting inside is probably more important than going out wide right. Hence the reason they wear, the, the, you know, they they have left-footed people on the right and vice versa. Um, I mean, it is still a worry though that I'd say Mason Greenwood's still our best right winger, and he's on remand. Exactly. So, um, yeah, it's a worry. It, it should be a concern. Martial again. In and out of the game, didn't really threaten that much, did he? But no, well, the Martial's just been Martial. He's had a, again, a couple of good games over Christmas, and then the last two, just again, very average. Just just about did enough to stay on the pitch, and uh, I suppose earlier than what, than what he did. Um, but yeah. Um, Are we being overpicky though after you've just scored three again? And, you know, could have scored more and didn't really look like conceding. Because, I mean, what you do have to say is United, they've got a very solid platform now, aren't they? You know, we don't look like we're going to concede many goals. 
we don't look like we're going to score that many either but it's something to build on you'd rather have a solid defence I think and then build on it going forward because we, we're probably two players away from you know imagine if you could add Harry Kane someone to that team exactly yeah. you wouldn't be a million miles away would you no no exactly and obviously Lampard was never going to come and attack us tonight they sat so deep even deeper than Forrest did last week they were like almost in their own half it, you know easily just let us have the ball uh, at the back um, and like I said they threatened a couple of times they had a couple of uh, counter-attacks second half but that we were never really going to you know put any pressure on the back four and that's I think why Luke Shaw is is looking very comfortable there because obviously the two or three games he's played there let's be honest you know they're not the most uh, potent up front were they so it would be different against you know City for example I, next you know, week you know what I think we do miss Shaw on the left though as well when he yeah. does play on the left we, we certainly miss his attacking yeah, out because I mean, again, because is a young player he's another he gets one. stuck in but he, he doesn't really offer you much going forward does he that certainly yeah. Shaw does he's another one who's who's doing okay young lad obviously and all the rest of it don't want to you know, get on his case uh, too soon but another, he's who, firmly a backup isn't he yeah who, came, who came in and did well and you know got stuck in and but now he's just again not you know, defending but not not doing much like you said over the halfway line. So yeah, there's two or three players, like you said, you know, we are probably being overcritical. We'd have certainly took three one two hours ago. Yeah. Uh, before before kickoff. Um Everton, you know, they've got bigger fish to fry. They've probably not Lampard's probably not that bothered. I don't don't think he was ever gonna get sacked unless they got beat like eight nil tonight or something. Um but, you know they need to concentrate on the league. Um, but we we obviously uh, we've, I've got the momentum going into again another cup game uh, on on Tuesday and going back to obviously the conversation about who's going to play you know um, we've talked about you know Maguire coming in and um, and Bruno obviously not playing and possibly the keeper being changed for me I wouldn't start Rashford yeah I don't, yeah. I don't I don't think you can I don't think you can possibly get him anywhere near an injury going well, I expect, to see, I expect to see a weaker side but with a strong bench I think would be the, the yeah. game I think for that yeah. one, so it? does Alanga start well, again we don't maybe. have many options up front though, no that's the problem so does Alanga start or does Martial start up front on his own again obviously you can start Ganacho on the left who knows he can play on the right would you play Anthony probably you probably would try and give him some confidence yep. um, you'd like to think he can do something about against Charlton um, so yeah but I think there'll be four or five changes rightly so um, going from tonight into Tuesday before the uh, the game next Saturday, um, it's January, so as we know, the uh, transfer window is wide open. I mean, obviously, the club are in the process of um, being sold, so I can't imagine that they're keen to get the checkbooks out to sign players at this point. Um, it looks like we're trying to do loan deals or sort of scrapping around in the in the basement for some days. I mean, is there, there was talk of Giroud. I don't know whether um, whether AC Milan would be willing to let him go, obviously, because he's uh, certainly not on loan. Um, it's going to be difficult though isn't it to get anyone in of any real quality to play up there that's that's going to give you a different option yeah the other one obviously which you're not quite sure whether to believe is Jao Felix isn't it being touted in terms of his you know we know the, uh, who his agent is so that, that, that obviously makes me worry straight away um, <laughs> but yeah it, it, I think it is going to be a loan I think no one's going to you know Kane for example you know um, <laughs> if he's ever going to go and I've said this for the last couple of summers yeah, I, think it, I, think, I think it would be in, in this in this summer coming I can't see him going anywhere in January um, but we do need to definitely get someone in sooner rather than later I don't want to leave it to the end of January I think it's that there's too much football to be played and like I said we're relying too much on Rashford to, to um, score get a Galo back maybe uh, Larson? Probably not. I think I'd rather have you up front. <laughs> oh, don't you not see me running these days, Jim? Um, yeah, well, well, obviously, man of the match, we were all pretty, pretty much um, in unison over over who was the best player by. Yeah. By some distance today, uh, Marcus Rashford, fantastic Absolutely. form, and yeah. um, you know, keep it up because he, he really does look unplayable at the minute. And 
you know whatever's whatever's going on with him fitness wise and, and his confidence um i think he's proving a, a lot of people wrong um and some people right that, that said we wanted to stick with him um he, he's certainly our best player at the minute and our best, best attacker who do you want to win sunday john Sunday. What's happening on Sunday? City Ch Chelsea. Oh, it's City Chelsea. Well, yeah, you know Chelsea obviously all day long, yeah, wouldn't you? Not um, going to no, I mean you watched that game last <laughs> night. It's an interesting point that you just come to that, but obviously it, it will probably be different when the derby comes. But I've watched City the last couple of games and they don't really look that convincing. You know, no. They don't look the team to fear that perhaps um, we do at times. No. Um, uh, is, is that more? Is this going to be more down to United? I mean, obviously we'll probably touch on this on Tuesday night, but. Is it more going to be how United apply themselves next week? Because if you get stuck into them, you know, if you play at a tempo and you don't sit off them and look afraid like we did, they get a blat, I think. I think. Yeah, um, I'm sure, like yourself, you you know a few blues. Uh, I've spoke to a couple in, in, in you know the last couple of weeks since coming back after the World Cup, and they've just said literally what you've just said. They've, they've, they've offed and puffed, and they've not been themselves. Uh, you know, they got the win last night. Two substitutions. You could say, you know, a great your first time ball from Grealish, and obviously Mares has got to attack the back post. We're not quite sure what Kepa was doing, but that's another story. But you know, they've got the result. They've gone down there. It wasn't a great game, but Ireland, I don't think had a, had a, had a shot on target. No, he barely no, touched it, the ball. Exactly. But is that because again, because De Bruyne is off the boil a little bit? Well, because when De Bruyne is obviously not on song. Do you know what? It's interesting you say that though, because we are well. Certainly, I argued for. for podcast after podcast last year when, when everyone was you know obviously raving over Ronaldo and his goal tally and where would we be without him you know this that and the other yeah. and I, I argued that the goals he scored are goals that other team players would have scored and City kind of are backing it up for me because Haaland's got what's he got 27 this season like that, yeah. but they've not scored more goals yeah. than they would have done last year he scored you know, more your, your likes of Yamarez's and your Dick Bruyne's aren't scoring the goals and I, I sometimes think it's, it's great having this focal point striker and you, know, and you can sit there and say Oh, you know, we need this striker. If you had him, it's just, but those goals don't come in addition to the goals you're getting. No. More often than not, they come as a replacement. To, and all those other players, like, and it's the same thing happened with United. Fernandez's goal tally dropped. Yeah. You know, Rashford scored nothing. And I, and I think similar's happening to Sitter. Yeah. Um, but not... obviously, I mean, he's got as many more than Ronaldo did by Christmas. But it probably it will be on a lesser lesser effect. But I don't think it necessarily makes you a better team playing the way they do. I I, I think they've become a little bit one-dimensional. Yeah, because he's not he's not that interested. Fifteen yards outside the box, is he? Put it in the box, and nine times out of ten, he's going to score. He's he's lethal. He's got long legs. He obviously he's, he's a big lad, uh, and he's and he's done that so far this season. But like you said, one dimensional. If it's definitely the, the, the right phrase, I think, to use for watching City over the last certainly the last couple of weeks. Um, De Bruyne, obviously, brilliant. You know, brilliant crossing, brilliant pinpoint crosses, passes. I think he put, put one in last night late on. I think uh, Ake hit the crossbar with an header. But apart from that, if you stop him, he, you know, he's the one to stop. And there are, I'm not saying, you know, Grealish or Mares or Cancelo if he plays. Other players can obviously, you know, put decent balls in. But, you know, let's be honest, it, it, it all revolves around De Bruyne. And if you stop him, uh, and if you've got someone who only feeds off some, you know, balls between like six and 10 yards out, which I bet 90% of his goals are for City so far this season. Uh, you, you're going to go a long way to, to stop them scoring so I think it is more it, obviously it's about that but not concentrating too much on that I think it's about what we're doing right as well like you said next week uh, the last thing we want to do is obviously you know go 1-0 down after you know 10-15 minutes but I think we just get, need to get in the faces don't yeah, give start them, well so. yeah don't give them too much respect um, you know like Everton did there last week yeah. <laughs> you know you, you watching Everton tonight you think you know how did they really get a point there but you know things happen don't they 
Yep, confident about the rest of the season too, just before I'm in danger of turning this into the City We Stand I know, podcast. Yeah. We've talked about enough about them knobheads. Yeah, it'll be interesting in eight days' time when we know more where we are. We should be in the semi final of the League Cup, and you know, we could be, you know, uh, whatever it is, a point behind City. Or we, we could indeed, like yeah. That, and, so. and obviously, Arsenal then the week after as well, which will be obviously another test. Yeah. Um, I'll, wrap, I'll wrap it up there, Stuart. Um, thanks, for, thanks for that. I know it's a, not the easiest podcast to do, and it's just a pair of us, um, and not the most inspiring game we've ever done. Uh, but thanks to everyone who bought the mag tonight um, and also um, uh, you know we've got two more games with this magazine haven't we so yeah. Yeah. Tuesday <laughs> yeah so Friday, it's yeah. plenty of opportunities to still get this one um, come and say hello to us um, tonight, so many it? of you do you know we got some good weather so we were a lot chirpier tonight <laughs> our next guest is Mark O'Brien Mark's an Evertonian he's a really good writer and he's written some top books on Everton and he's someone who United We Stand have known and trusted to find a good Everton voice for many many years Mark, thanks for joining us on this United We Stand podcast. I realise that the circumstances could be better for Everton. Yeah, we can probably always say that whenever we speak to you, though, mate, too, can't, can't we? So uh, it's, all, it's all good. Well, there's been times where you've absolutely hammered Manchester United at Goodison, put four past Manchester United at Goodison. Even last season came out of Old Trafford and... You played really well in the second half. You scored a good goal where Fred was bullied off the ball and you got a one-all draw and that was the beginning. That was the day, I think, that Oli Gunnar Solskjaer lost a lot of the match-going fans and he lost his job a couple of months later. Eric Tenag is obviously doing well and he's in a pretty secure position at the moment. The fans are right behind him. I can't really say the same about your manager. Yeah, it's a, that's a strange. <clears throat> it's a strange one because... Um, it, it kind of splits opinion, I think, with Lampard. I think what's odd is that everyone seems to, everyone likes him as a fella. I think everyone can see he's sincere. Obviously, we stayed up against that, that like monumental game against Crystal Palace last season, and he, like, his celebrations and that, and how much he's bought into the club and stuff like that. So I, I don't think there's anyone who dislikes him. But then you just look at his record, and there's loads of caveats. There's, you know, you can say, you know. The circumstances of what he took over, what he's dealing with. Obviously, there's financial fair play, loads of stuff. But the the stark reality is it is you look at the record and you think you know there aren't they don't look like there are three worst teams than ever in the Premier League right now. So it's it's difficult. I think people are very much they wanting to get obviously always want to get it right. You know, but we've had managers in the past. You know, people just wanted to see the back of them. You know, you, you know. You know the ones. You know what I mean. Even good managers. You know, there was a lot. A lot of people wanted to see the back of Marco Silva. Um, it, it was it turned out you know a really good manager, Cumin. No one was sorry to see the end of him and stuff like that. I think Lampard. I think people really, really, genuinely wanting to do well, but his record suggests that you just look at it and you think if you're if you're the owner, you say, well, at the moment it looks like we're going down. If we change the manager, we might stay up. So that's. That's the, the eternal Everton decision we get to this time of year, it seems, and this decision's always being made. So, yeah, it's difficult. You mentioned the owner. There's been a lot of criticism yeah. of the owner, of your board. I can't figure it out. You've spent so much money and you seem to have yeah. got worse. Is it the recruitment? Is it the constant changing of managers? You're finally building a new stadium, which looks absolutely brilliant on the banks of the the River Mersey. Uh, I had a little bit of insight into your club a year ago, just when Frank Lampard was appointed, and I could see I knew of a manager who also went for the job, and 
yeah. there didn't seem to be any clear decision makers there. It was like a freeway thing where, where you've got three groups of people briefing against each other almost, and they're in charge of Everton Football Club. It seemed absolutely bizarre. Yeah, I think that's... Obviously, as fans, you, you sort of... You never really know what's going on. Obviously, your insight's a little bit, you know, more probably, you know, more accurate. I, I think that's what people think. That is the perception externally. I think they think there's the sort of... Well, in the past, it was the director of football. Um, then you had... Bill Kenwright and his, his sort of um, power base sort of thing. And then you have the owner who has the ultimate decision. But even beyond that, you don't know how much of it is Alexander Usmanov because it's, you know, I think everyone pretty much knows that the money, I think pretty certain it comes from him. Um, so, yeah, that's always been the thing is like, you know, who ultimately makes the decisions. And I think, I think what happens as well, I think what we're seeing now when the fans get riled up, they tend to directed at Bill Kenwright because Mashiri tends to get away with it to a certain extent because he is building the stadium and he has put you no know, it's through him that all that money has put in which you know which is what we've wanted down the years but I think a, a, a lack of clear vision but every time they put something in place what undoes us ultimately is short-term results on the pitch because you know, we get to where we are now and you think okay we've got a new director of football we've got Lampard in as manager because of the results on the pitch, you know, there's a chance that'll all get ripped up again, and we'll start again, and 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 the the, the spiral continues. I think at some point, and I think Ancelotti was the one where I think he thought, right, I've made my decision. I've gone out. I've made him the third highest paid manager in the world, or something ridiculous. He's the guy. We'll get. You know, no one can argue with his track record. I'm going to back him. This is the one. And he left for Real Madrid, and I think that was the. And I think he'd already decided he was leaving before he was going there. But I think that 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 was ultimately. So I think, I think it's, it's always like they say that the road to hell, sort of paved with good intentions, good intentions and open letters to the board. It's paved with, um, and I think most of the decisions have been made. You know, at the time, because we, we kind of have a thing now where people are looking at Brighton and Brentford and going, "That's who we should be run like." And you think, that's you know. You're saying that now because it looks like we're going to go down, but you were the people weren't saying that when we were buying Hammers Rodriguez, you know what I mean, and things like that. People were all into it, and but the, you know, the land the landscape's changed now. So the owner's done a lot of good. The stadium, as you say, looks magnificent. Ultimately, he's backed to the hilt managers who have spent his money really badly. I think that's all. That's ultimately the case. You look at the players they've bought, and they just overpaid for some. Players, you just look at them, and think they, you know, you can give them away. Uh, so that, that's all. That's the crux of it. We 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 overpaid for really average players. You took nine thousand to Old Trafford for the cup match. What what did you make of the game? Do you know what I thought? We were going to get humiliated. I thought after the Brighton game, I thought I actually thought I actually said on my blog, you know, if they're going to sack Lampard, which I think they still might, they should do it before the game because I thought it was. There was a possibility we were going to go and get humiliated and he was going to be made to sort of stand on the sideline while his team gets ripped apart, which this Man United team fully capable of. And in fairness, I think they really tried. I think you know, we've seen us embarrassed at United so many times that the early goal in, it would have been so easy for them to drop their heads. And, you know, I always, I'm always a bit dubious when fans say, um, oh, I don't mind us losing as long as we have a go, because I think you don't mean that. 
But I think they did. I think they actually went down fight. They went down, you know, throwing haymakers and saying, do you know who I am? A little bit, you know what I mean? Like a fellow who gets battered but still has a go. Uh, and, and, I, and I don't know whether that might have put doubt into the owner's mind now, because I think, because I, I was convinced, put on my blog, I said, he's sacked. But I think the way they try, because a new manager's only going to come in at the same players and get them to run around a bit. And you think, that's what they did last night. So I don't think he might have saved his job. Could be completely wrong. By the time this comes out, he could be sacked and we could be all hailing Sean Dyche. I was told of a meeting uh, with Everton's directors after the game at Old yeah. Trafford. But, you know, that could have been to discuss the, the coffee in the vending machine. I somehow <laughs> doubt it. Doubt it, yeah. Everton fans, I mean, I respect Everton as a club. I love going to Goodison. I wonder how much you, you will miss Goodison. But I've seen a few people come out and criticise Everton fans for being too critical, for jumping on the players back too too quickly. Is Is that fair or unfair? That's a difficult one, and that's a constant debate among the fans themselves because people are saying, like, because I think what people say is, you know, if you go to Bournemouth, you go away to Bournemouth twice in a week uh, and you concede seven goals, no one's going to like start throwing flowers to you and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So it's like, mm. I think the players lead it. I think I've always said this said if the players not even playing well, but if you can see the effort and you can see them having a go, getting getting the ball forwards, that was the thing. I think that does always does for managers at Everton. Matt happened with Martinez, um, I think with Lampard a bit when they and it he struggled because he hasn't had a centre forward. If you don't get the ball forward, if they're not attacking, if we're sort of messing around with it at the back, almost waiting for the inevitable balls up, I think the crowd just gets riled up really quick and you know it, it it does become. I would say. I don't. I think it is fair. I think it's true of all football fans. But I think Everton probably does get toxic quite quickly. I think that that whole route to toxicity, I think, is a well trodden one. And I think the cycle is getting quicker and quicker with managers now. We're just getting less and less, less and less patient. Um, yeah. So I say. I say it probably is fair. But you can't blame people for being pissed off. You've had 10 managers. I know there's a couple of caretaker ones in there since David yeah. Moyes left for Goodison for a football club whose name I, I forget. <laughs> um, big names in there, but some of them seem bizarre decisions. I remember Rafa Benitez going and just the decision to appoint him really seemed to divide uh, Everton fans because of what he'd done in, in Liverpool and he, he lasted five minutes. Yeah, that was the most bizarre one, I think. Um, and, and you know what I will say is, I think a lot of fans give him a chance because they went a lot of people. A lot of people just didn't, and that was to be expected. But a lot of people said, if he's our manager, we support him. You know, and, and so I don't. So sometimes I think he made he makes out he wasn't given a chance, but his record was poor. We started and when he, if we started off all right, people got behind him, but it was always going to happen when he had the inevitable blip. He just had no goodwill left you know there was just nothing in the bank for him because of who he was and uh that was always going to end in tears the, the bizarre thing was he was allowed to like before he got sacked he was allowed he basically forced out the director of football i think it was it's him or me the director of football went and then he did a load of transfer business as well and then got sacked a few days later which was goes back to the initial who makes the decisions the guy who's just about to get sacked allowed to do stuff like that so no wonder we ended up in trouble how do you think of David Moyes now? Because he was there for 11 years, over 500 yes. matches. 
Uh, I don't want him back uh, because that's been sort of muted. Um, I have utmost respect for what he did when he was at Everton. Um, a lot of people, some of my close friends, my dad, can never forgive him about the way he left because he clearly didn't tell the truth about. You know, he, he was mad. The big thing for for a lot of people is, and this is true, he managed Everton against Man United when he knew he was going to become the Man United manager, which that left a really sour taste in the mouth for people. Um, I listened to him on a podcast recently, um, the Danny Donaghy one, and um, he, he sounds like yesterday. He, he sounds like yesterday's man. I, I, I have utmost respect for what he did at Everton. I thought he'd do great at United. I've always said I think his biggest problem at United is he didn't make enough changes quickly enough. I think if he'd, uh, I think if he'd have made a load of changes, he could have said this is a team in transition. But he didn't, and he got ultimately got accused of well, he had the champions and you know, they turned to a bag of shite, which was a team on the slide already. That's just my opinion. Uh, but I think he is. He's the oldest manager in the Premier League now. Uh, there's been talk from coming back. I, I really, I think that would be not of Rafa Benitez proportions, but I think, again, I don't think he'd have any goodwill with a lot of people. So as soon as he hit an inevitable blip, people would be on his back. And I think that would be, I, I'd hate his legacy to be that. You've got a couple of Manchester United players there. You've bought a lot of Manchester United players in recent years. Yeah. How's James Garner doing? He's hardly played. He's been injured. Um, he's the one I was quite excited by him. I know we hear Forest fans. I think he was their player of the season when they came up. And he was exactly what we needed. Sort of uh, what I, the impression I got, sort of someone along the lines of Andre Gomez. I know he's a player you said would be good for us and was initially brilliant. I think he's a lovely footballer, but he got an injury and just couldn't run anymore. Um, someone who could die, you know, get his head up, you know, control the pace of the game and stuff like that. But we've hardly seen him and I, I think he's, he's hurt his back. I think he's due back in February, but uh, hopefully he can come back and have an impact. Because he looks, he looks a nice player. Yeah, he is. He's a good player, definitely highly rated at Old Trafford. Uh, what's your rivalry like with Liverpool? How how is that um, changing? So it was a difficult one. Um, obviously, in terms of you know we don't compete with them on the pitch. They are you know they're light years ahead of us. Um, what Klopp's done is amazing. You can't deny that. You know some not the moment, but I mean when they're at the best, some of the football just outstanding. Do you know what I mean? They were, they were they're really good to watch. They're exciting. You, you have to take your hats off to them. I think he's. He's a really good manager. Um, in terms of with fans, it's always a weird one because there's, I suppose there's. I can't. We laugh at them a lot. They've won everything, but you just know they're just so weird, aren't they? Do you know what I mean? And they, and they become like a massive parody of themselves. Loads of my mates, Liverpool supporters, they cringe at the way some of their fans are. Everyone's got knob fans, but agree they've got more than most, especially on social media and stuff like that. They're just absolutely bizarre. Um, so I think we just laugh at them as people say you just couldn't make them up um, I think that's you know so despite everything you wouldn't swap and wouldn't swap with them for a minute because they're just a weird cult I wouldn't say that all Manchester United fans on social media are not weird either to be honest I see a lot of similarities with Manchester United's fan base and Liverpool's fan base at least on on social media right okay I mean I can, ima I can imagine yeah yeah, yeah I, I, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, and use the word cringe. It's exactly the same. Um, I'm, I'm but it's not even funny. I, I, not 
Yeah, not surprises you now though, does it? You see stuff and you go, yeah, it's it's a it's a cop out being weird on the internet. You know what I mean? And like, I like going out the way to say like how like how much it matters to him and stuff like that. And all right, mate, just go to the match and shut up. This means more. Oh fucking hell, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, and it, and it's this means more, and it's like Ken from Oxfordshire, or something like that. On the posters they had in town, they were amazing. <laughs> yeah, fuck off. Your your new ground, what's the capacity going to be like? Fifty five. Uh, about that, yeah, um, yeah. I think it yeah, low fifties, yeah. So that is a significant upgrade on on Goodison, and yeah, it's what Anfield is at the moment. I know they're they're making it bigger, but Everton really should be one of the top eight Premier League teams. Yeah, I don't know. There's been people saying it should be, you know, it should be bigger. I don't know. Uh, it looks amazing, and. Um, I think we'll fill it in the championship. Do you think you'll go down, really? Um, I, I think this is the... I look at the team and in the past I've thought, OK, those players shouldn't be where they are. But I look at it now and you look at the teams who come up and, you know, they're all well coached. Everyone's got money. You know what I mean? Everyone, so everyone's team's full of internationals. In the past, there was always just some shite you had to be better than, but... I just look at it now and you think there's no reason why that team shouldn't go down. There's not, we have no divine right. I think in the past you think, you know, we'd spend our way out of it. We can't do that because of financial fair play, um, uh, which is bizarrely a thing that was brought in to stop people getting into the top six. We'll probably relegate Everton and, you know, people will say we'll deserve it. So probably, but um, I think we could this year, yeah, unless uh, there has to be, they have to improve drastically. The only thing is, we've just slipped into the bottom three. You know, we could get out with a couple of weeks. The, the fact that we're not adrift after being as appalling as we are is amazing. Uh, but you look at, like, you know, Wolves are far better than us. Um, few of them down there, you think, Villain will get away. You know, I'm not sure we're any better than Leeds. And you just think, something's going to have to change a lot, or I think this would be this could be the one. And yet, we were saying very similar things a year ago. At one point, in maybe it was April, you looked doomed. We did. Uh, the main difference being between now and then is we had Brazil's number nine playing for us. You know, uh, and you think of some of the games, you, you won't remember, but like we played Chelsea at home and like he, he closed down Asper Quetta. It was like a, a lost cause, won the ball, scored the goal, beat Chelsea at home. We stayed up by the skin of our teeth and we took, you know, we sold the Brazil number nine and He's become this fella's become a bit of a totem for us being shite, and it's a bit unfair on him. He doesn't get a pass, you know. But we present we, we replaced Brazil's number nine with Neil Mope. You know mm. what I mean? What do you think's going to happen? One of the funniest things I did see on social media last year was Brazil's number nine on the day of the Champions League final. Somebody did mocked him up as a coach driver who, who turned up to not pick some Liverpool fans up who were traveling to, to Paris. And it's the sort of thing yeah. that people might laugh about online, but he actually got behind it and retweeted it. <laughs> he was really. I know, yeah, yeah. Well, they did what's it called, and they did. They, I was a bit, I was a bit of a, even for, on them. It was a bit of a shitty trick. Someone did a fake, an Evertonian, didn't he? Like advertise for a fake, um, for a, for a fake trip travel there, and it was honestly it was getting retweeted all night. Like they were still there waiting, like for hours they were all night and just more and more clips of them going I don't think he's coming you know and then uh, yeah and then which was which is a bit it was a bit tight like you know what I mean but it, but it was fucking funny 
uh, and then yeah, someone had mocked him because I think they put the driver's name. I think they put as Richard Richard Allison. Yeah. As well, Richard. Yeah, they were waiting for Richard Allison, the driver, to come. Who, who, funny enough, never come. And they were they were stowed by the rocket for about eight hours until he realised he wasn't coming. And um, yeah, and then he retweeted the picture of him in like the uh, on the buses outfit. Like, I'm <laughs> uh, gonna get you, Butler. <laughs> yeah. I thank you for your time, Mark. This is the United We Stand podcast. Our next one will be out after the Charlton game at Old Trafford on Tuesday night. Charlton, of course, are married by. Managed by, rather than married by, um, Salford Red Dean Holden. So they've sold 9,500 tickets, the same as Everton. Manchester United will be going for an eight consecutive win. Thanks, Mark, and thanks everyone for listening.